it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Stood steady as they tumbled down. Kept your head through the falling and breaking. When others stumbled, you stood your ground. You knew that open could leave you wide open to the dangerous changes in stranger days to come. Darkness grows in the mist and shadows, puppets pose and deeds betray. There are myths that persist, and we all know words can keep the truth at bay. You know that open could leave you wide open. Fear closes in, and heroes don't always win. But you are ready to hold the line,
Night Dreams Talk Radio brings back Bumper Music Fridays from emerging new bands. If you'd like to have your band's music played as bumper music on Night Dreams Talk Radio, it must be an original piece of music you or your band wrote, and you must give us a release to use it on air. Contact us at nightdreamstalkradio at gmail.com or go to our show's website at www.nightdreamstalkradio.com and click on the message box. Longtime UFO and Bigfoot researcher Stan Gordon is releasing his fourth casebook called Creepy Cryptids and Strange UFO Encounters of Pennsylvania. Included are many cases from across his decades of research from Bigfoot to giant flying creatures, many UFOs, aquatic beasts to hairless, sickly-looking humanoids. Enjoy a journey into a realm that suggests that present-day sightings of monsters might be real mystifying creatures, none of which are supposed to exist. Some cases include one of the creepiest crawling cryptids of all time. Was there an even stranger Mothman encounter near Pittsburgh in 1966? The small Bigfoot and the strange sphere of light. Tall, hairless humanoid with glowing yellow eyes that follows man to his house. Stan presents some startling cases that suggest that some of the unknown creatures being reported may be much stranger than just flesh and blood. Could some UFOs and even some cryptids possibly be visitors from another dimension? Order your copy now of Creepy Cryptids and Strange UFO Encounters of Pennsylvania. Stan's new book, as well as his other casebooks, are available online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Or visit his website at www.stangordon.info. Remember how great paranormal talk radio was in the 80s and 90s? Night Dreams Talk Radio brings back to you talk radio like you remember. With your host, Gary Anderson. Broadcasting to you live from his secret compound deep in the great Northwest. Now... Here's Gary. And here I am. Well, I hope everybody had a great weekend. It feels good to be on the air. Last night, our guest had emergency. He could not make it, but, well, we put a replay on. Well, tonight we got a great show. If you remember Monster Quest and all that stuff on the History Channel, well, we got a show that is just going to knock your socks off or your shoes or boots. Well, James, what type of weekend did you have? Uh, actually, it was 75 both Saturday and Sunday. Of course, that came and went, and now it's in the 30s again. But that's okay. It was very nice and pleasant and, and sunny. It was a taste of spring. I know, and that makes me – when you know, I can't wait to get that type of weather. We actually had a two days here without rain, and we managed to you know trim the hoofs of the horses and things like that and did some things we needed to do down in the, the compound, down at the farm. Well, you know what? If you like chicken – which, you know, a lot of us maybe don't like chicken so much, but, you know, because of the economic climate that's going on, a lot of us eat it. Well, guess what? You better stockpile it really fast because they're destroying a mass amount of chickens and turkeys. We're talking probably 
three-fourths of the country's uh, chickens and turkeys are going to be destroyed. Why, you're asking? Well, it's a massive outbreak of highly deadly bird flu. That is really coming at a time which, you know, I don't know, James. A, a lot of people don't have the money to go have, you know, steak and all that type of stuff. So, I mean, and prime ribs. So, I mean, like, even like us, we eat chicken quite often. You're so correct. A lot of people in our area eat a lot of chicken. Matter of fact, there's two major chicken factories just up the road that supplies part of, well, most of this part of the country or state anyway. So, yeah, that's going to be a big impact, not just uh, people having to pay more and not be able to get chicken, but all the jobs lost uh, for these in these plants, too. Yeah. And, you know, they're kind of really upset because the way that the well, dispose of the chickens. They There's two ways they do it. They turn up the heat where they have these big, huge warehouses of all these chickens. They crank up the heat and then spray, like, uh, moisture in it and suffocate them that way. Or they suffocate them by using the firefighter foam. And I tell you, that is not humane. So that, my heart goes out to the chickens, believe it or not. Gas prices are going crazy here. It's around $5 and something in the Seattle-Tacoma area per gallon. They're saying very shortly you can go up to 7 maybe $9 a gallon, where you're, depending on where you're at. A friend of mine in L.A. said it's $7.90 a gallon for gas. And that is, if you pump it yourself, it's like... $9 and something if they pump it. So it's getting really, really scary. Well, the government just raised the minimum wage to $15. Yeah, and uh, I don't know how anybody's going to be able out of that $15 an hour uh, be able to buy gas, let alone the average up here in the Pacific Northwest, a one-bedroom studio apartment, it goes for about $1,495 a month. We got a problem, and it's not just inflation. It's just everything has got out of control. Well, another asteroid is going to go by the Earth on Friday. This one is kind of really concerning, but they said it will not hit. But it is 4,265 feet wide, James. That is huge. Three times the size of the Eiffel Tower. Uh, yeah, that's just a few uh, hundred feet short of a almost a mile long, pretty much another thousand feet or so. But that is big, and you know the kinetic energy behind those things traveling anywhere from ten thousand to a hundred thousand miles an hour is just incredible. So the impact of those things, even if it's on the other side of the world, you're going to know it. Well, that is a city killer, if not more. And also NASA Horizon spacecraft discovered something that I didn't think they would ever discover. You know, when I was a kid, I always said, well, does the universe go forever? Is there a brick wall? Now I was a young kid when I said that. And my dad would sit there and say, well, Gary, you know, there's not a brick wall. It goes on forever and it continues. Well, guess what? James, this is really interesting. The uh, spacecraft discovers a new evidence of a giant mistress or mystery wall at the edge of our solar system. Wow, that now that is something that that's um, I don't even know what to say about that. That's very mystifying. It, again, it just goes to show you all the things we they, we were taught in school. Uh, half of it we can throw out the window. So I tell you, that brings up a lot of questions, Gary. So what what is at the end? Is there a wall? 
Well, are we actually a hologram? Are we a computer program running? I don't know. It, you know, is it, this more they find out makes you wonder what what life is. And again, like I mentioned last week, when a person dies, there's been more studies and it's been coming out in different medical and science uh, journals. They said, you know, when people have near death experience, so that's when their heart stops and technically they're dead. But your mind is still functioning up to 15 minutes, still functioning in the dream mode. And now a lot of medical doctors and scientists are saying, well, when people are thinking that they're having a near death experience where they're seeing their loved ones, they're being taken up to heaven and seeing God, they're saying, well, I don't think so. What is happening is a protective device in your brain when your heart stops and you stop breathing. It takes you into a dream mode. And then maybe that dream mode is giving you a rundown of your entire life to take you to, well, to the abyss where you're no longer anything. So I don't know, James. That is more confusing there, too. So they're finding all kinds of evidence. Yeah, you are so correct. Boy, it's like every day we're learning new stuff about that with the brain. And I always kind of thought there was something going on as maybe a defense mechanism or some way to make you um easier way to go out, you know, uh, better than being awake and knowing you're dying and panicking in your brain as, uh, you know, that's one scenario. But uh, it makes you think, makes you scratch your head. What's really going on, Gary? I guess we won't know till we get there. No, I don't want to find out. Not for another 140 years. Anyway, we'll be right back with our great guests. So stay tuned. You're listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio. Meet the Totally Ninja Raccoons. Three raccoons who become ninjas because they already have the masks. The Totally Ninja Raccoons books are short adventures with quick chapters, specially structured to encourage reluctant readers. Each book has the Totally Ninja Raccoons encountering a cryptid. The monsters are presented in a fun, not-so-scary way. I said not so scary. <sighs> Readers are encouraged to do their own research and make up their own minds about the possible existence of Bigfoot, the Jersey Devil, aliens, and more. The Totally Ninja Raccoons are available on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. You can buy autographed copies direct from the author at kevincoolidge.org. That's kevincoolidge.org for the Totally Ninja Raccoons. Hi, this is Val Von Torn of Metatron Power and Light. You're listening to Gary Anderson and Night Dreams Talk Radio. Well, thank you, Val, from Metatron Power and Light. I'll tell you what, I love your music of that band. I tell you, it is really great. It's like fits the show like a glove. Well, tonight, James, who's our guest? Well, our guest tonight is Mr. Doug Hycheck. Now, he is the president and founder of White Wolf Entertainment Incorporated, which specializes in nonfiction programming, which includes the hit series Monster Quest. Doug is an inventor, a producer, publisher, and author, and that's just to name a few things that he does. Well, Doug, how are things in Minnesota going? Pretty good, especially now that I realize that we're actually in a mason jar. Well, we could be, but I got to ask you a question. Yeah. Is it 
corn mash in that uh, mason jar? There could be. There's something. I, actually, you know, and I, I envision like some dried grass and a dead grasshopper. And we're just kind of all in this mason jar. And someday we'll we'll sail a ship across the entire universe and there'll be this giant dead grasshopper. <laughs> you know, isn't it strange when you, you sit there? I got to quit reading all these science journals because I'm getting more confused. The older I get, you know, like mm-hmm. I, at least I'm not into Depends diapers yet. But I am so confused because, you know, they're coming out with different things like now. They're saying there's a, maybe a wall up there in our universe. Yeah. It may, are we maybe nothing more than a computer program or a hologram? I don't know anymore. I don't think I don't think we'll ever know. But um, the theory of the kind of the Horton hears a who, you know, or maybe we're in a the whole universe is in one mason jar, and there's the next universe is in some other container, and we're just it because. My father, he told me something once that I never forgot. He said, small goes on forever. And I thought, he said, it would, He said, if, if I can take you and make you half your size and just keep snapping my fingers, at what point will you disappear? And I thought, no, never. <laughs> You'll never disappear. So small goes on forever, just like large does. So... That opens up a lot of possibilities, and they're both, you know, easily proven that they go on forever. Oh, yeah. But, you know, again, you know, I I remember the old Twilight Zone, and there was a series uh, where one of the episodes where these ETs, and the people didn't know it, a little nice, you know, cottage town. They got up one morning, they tried to leave the town, they ran into a wall, they couldn't leave it. And then towards the end of the show, it turned out to be that, well, the father of this alien just took a big hunk of, you know, this town and gave it to his daughter as a toy, a play toy, like a playhouse. Well, here's some little people. And the mother came in and said, well, don't treat your pets that way. Yeah, same thing. Same thing. Yeah, it's just, you know, Gary, we have so many mysteries on this earth. Far more than we even, I mean, I think they're probably uncovering, you know, numerous ones that maybe aren't huge, but they're mysteries. But think about when we start getting a taste of the truth. It's going to, we're just going to have so many questions, you know, on what, who we are, where we're going, what in the heck is, you know, living on even this earth. I mean, I've seen things that, God, I just shake my head. Stick it in my gray basket because there's nothing you can do. You you know you saw it because you had a witness, but it doesn't make sense. What is, Doug, what is the most interesting, bizarre, and strangeness of anything you've seen? Oh, God. <laughs> and don't say your ex-mother-in-law. No, it's it's been actually a number of things. Okay, so in, um, I believe it was about 2008... Um, I was still doing Monster Quest, and I'm driving back with Yvette. We're driving in in a car back from up north, northern Minnesota, driving on an interstate. It's a beautiful evening. The moon is up, you know, and the stars are clear. And we're just listening to, I think Don McLean was on the radio, and the song Vincent, you know, peaceful song. And all of a sudden, all hell broke loose. We see this thing 
dropped down from the moon because the moon was about midway and it was full and it drops down and then headed right for our windshield. So when we saw it drop, we thought, you know, what in the heck? And then it started approaching the windshield at, you know, I, I can only venture to guess that I was doing 70 and the thing was doing probably 200 miles an hour and it's heading right for our windshield. And right when it got, you know, X amount of feet away, Yvette ducks and screams. And then I let it get a tiny bit closer because I'm driving. And then I ducked. And if you've ever um, been in a Corvette, which I'm sure you have. Oh, I've had a few. There's not much room to duck. And so we ducked. And, you know, and, of course, the danger's over. And I got a good look at this thing. And it looked like a gargoyle with big bat wings, the best way I can describe it. I mean, the wings were uh, literally as wide as the uh, two lanes of the freeway. That is interesting. You know, it, it makes sense because, you know, a couple of years ago, I had a trucker get a hold of me. And he was going through uh, Texas yeah. and uh, left Dallas and was heading out, you know, the desert or whatever, that direction. It was late at night. And he's, you know, cruising along and he, he looks out his cab window. And he sees what he calls the Jeeper Creepers. You know, remember the movie Jeeper Creepers? That, yep. Yeah, that, that Mothman-looking whatever it was. He said there was one flying right next to him with glowing eyes looking at him. Yeah, I can it, believe it. I it, can believe it. And, and here's why. You know, people, I don't think they're they're like a creature that's, you know, eating and pooping in the woods. Um, I, they've got to be paranormal, and here's why. We saw this thing drop straight down like a spider on a web with its wings open. Now, you know if you take a paper airplane and, or a real airplane, you can't drop straight down. you got to kind of come forward, too. And this thing just dropped, stopped, and headed for the windshield. And so when I hear these reports of these things flying next to a car, they're not flapping their wings. They're not using – the wings are almost for show. They have to be. Oh, yeah, because, again, up in Oregon, I had another truck driver a year ago told me he went into a rest stop. He ate his dinner or a truck stop, ate his dinner. He was going to go fuel up with diesel and take off. Yeah. And when he got into his rig, you know, he sat in there. He turned on the radio. He was relaxed. He went to start the rig right in front of him. He described what he said was like a mothman. Yeah. It was levitated off the ground. The wings weren't doing anything. It was just staring at him. Yeah, and then it after a minute or two is this perfect eye contact. He said the wings open up and it flew off. Yeah, it probably just took right off without flapping. Yeah, interesting. I just um, had somebody tell me a. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Story very similar. In fact, it was um, Lon Strickler. Mm-hmm. His personal story of seeing one of these things... When he, they were, I don't know, young, 17, 18, and it was witnessed by a number of people that he was with, and it was standing in the creek, just staring at them, and all of a sudden it unfolded its its wings and then just, poosh, shot straight up. No flapping, no nothing. And um, that's going on, this is going on in Chicago right now. I mean, there are just literally endless um, sightings that have been documented interviewed um, around the O'Hare Airport area. I don't know if you've heard about that. Oh, yeah. Lap, it's just nuts. Well, you know what is interesting? Mothman, or whatever it is, has been spotted all over the country, from Texas to Oregon to, you know, Philadelphia. It's Virginia. I mean, something is going on. And and here's my thing. I had Michio Kaku on our show here maybe about, 10 months ago and he said we're so close to cracking another dimension and when we do crack this next dimension parallel universes could be real uh, the extra dimension maybe you know portals could be opening that's what he was saying the, and maybe these things are real in another dimension and somehow they managed to come into our dimension be. it's got to be it gary it's got to be because i've had that proven to me Almost sometimes right in front of my face, not seeing a portal, but um, doing, in fact, you know, we, we were talking about motorcycles earlier. I was working, you know what a triple tree fork is? Oh, yeah. Okay, so there's that top plate that goes on. I was installing one, and I had pulled the top plate off the fork, um, you know, to install it on this on this bike. I was custom motorcycle I was building. Put it up, you know, in the head tube. And got the bearings lined up and all that stuff, and then was going to put the the, the plate on. Every hole was a half inch off. So, so this is, think about this. This is a solid piece of aluminum, and it's machined. But every hole, and of course, you know, the underneath was cast, so it didn't go that way. So I, I'm trying to put it on. I go and I run and get a vet. I said, "You got to see this." I said, "I just took this thing off." And it's like it came from another dimension. It's similar, but different. And she comes out and she looks at it and examines it. She says, yeah. And it's just, what do you do? She said, and I was really frustrated. She goes, "Just let's just sit down and watch it. <laughs> it was really cool. It wasn't even three minutes later. It started to slide down the fork. And so all of a sudden, all the holes lined up because it was a precision triple tree fork. Yeah. And it just started sliding on and we just went, oh, my God. It's like the original one came back. (laughs) So there's there's my, you know, not so weird, kind of weird example of maybe what we're all dealing with on a daily basis. 
Well, maybe that's the reason why when I used to work on cars when I was a young teenager, I'd take a car apart and then I couldn't put it back together because I had all these extra bolts and I didn't know where they went. Well, that's that's also weird. It was funny to you that you mentioned that because my dad used to work on sports cars and he would rebuild like, you know, the old Jags, 120s and the TR3As and 3Bs and Austin Healy's. And so and what really drove him crazy, and he was a really good mechanic, he would put these cars together and he would always end up with a basket of bolts left over. And he's like, I know I put every single bolt in because every bolt on a british sports car has got a very important purpose and he literally would have a basket of bolts almost every car and he could never figure it out he never could solve the mystery well you know it's just like you know there was times i had this chevy and i don't want to get into automobiles and motorcycles but i had this chevy one time and i took the fender off uh, to do some work on it and i went to put the fender back on and none of the holes would line up and I sat there, and I got my dad even coming, and, he, and it wouldn't line up. So I said, you know what? I, I'm not going to work on it today. I'm taking a couple days. And then I went back a couple days later. Everything lined up absolutely perfect. Up. See, that's the exact example that I gave you. And I guarantee this is happening all over every day to jillions of people, but nobody. Who are you going to tell? Well, we told yeah. each other. Well, we told you, yeah, and we, we had a chance to tell more people. And so, you know, m- you know, my thing is people that if you're listening to these stories, talk to your friends, tell them these stories, see if they've got a story. Because if we all do this, we'll all maybe come to a better understanding of what is going on. Have you ever dropped something and you can't find it? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> I dropped a can of paint one time. And I swear to God, I mean, I didn't really see it go through the floor, but kind of did because it just, you know, I wasn't paying attention that much, but I never found it in a spick and span garage. I never found that can again. It's well, like, what? it just never came back. Well, maybe we're nothing more than a program running and there's a glitch because, you know, <laughs> it's just like you, you take something, right? You're taking it apart. Now, I'm a fanatic also in photography, and I'd be working on a camera, you know, and all that stuff. And I would lay something. I know exactly where I, you know, I put it. I put it there. So now I'm putting the camera back together, and I'm looking for that one part. I can't find it. I can't find it no matter what. A year goes by, and I look right where I thought I put it, which I I sit down at that desk all the time. There it was sitting on the desk. Figure that one out. We need to take a break, Doug, and we'll be back in two minutes. And then I want to ask you, what got you motivated? What got you to do Monster Quest and how that all came about? So we'll be back with Doug. So stay tuned. You're listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio. Take a journey of adventure and discovery for the enigmatic giants of the forests. Read On the Trail of Bigfoot by Mike Dupler. The author himself describes it this way. Having found possible Sasquatch evidence, namely trees driven into the ground upside down, thought to be territory markers, led me to investigate this creature in my native Ohio. Several years and many forays into Bigfoot territory, I have found incredible evidence, which inspired my book On the Trail of Bigfoot. Bigfoot is alive and has many fantastic abilities. The evidence is out there for all to see, but... You need to know what to look for. 
my book will inspire those who have answered the call to seek this elusive creature, the Bigfoot. The truth is out there. Read on the Trail of Bigfoot by Mike Dupler. Available now at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and IndieBound.org. He's one of paleontology's top fossil restorers. He's Joe Taylor, and his unique expertise has been used on many world-class fossils, including the world's largest molds of fossils still in the ground, such as the three complete mammoth skeletons at the Waco Sudden Death Mammoth Site in Waco, Texas. Forty years working in every area of fossils has opened the door to the strange mystery of giant men and the biblical Nephilim, which has opened the door to Bigfoot, UFOs, Mothman, and much more. Joe Taylor's book, Giants Against Evolution, chronicles all of these. You can order Joe's books at www.mtblanco.com or call 806-675-7777. That's 806-675-7777. Joe Taylor's incredible museum is currently adding new and amazing displays. Find out more at www.mtblanco.com. Did you know Night Dreams Talk Radio can promote your product or service? And it will be heard by one of the largest audiences in paranormal talk radio. Contact us at nightdreamstalkradio at gmail.com or go to our main webpage and use the contact box at www.nightdreamstalkradio.com. think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. And yet, I ask you, is not an alien force already among us? Night Dreams brings on the night worldwide. Did you know you can find us on your favorite app? And now you can watch us live on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and give us a thumbs up. And now... Here's Gary. And here I am with Doug. Now, Doug, the question I have, you know, you produced and and came up with a lot of different things. Besides inventing things, Monster Quest, that was one of my favorite shows. How did that come about? Well, uh, kind of slowly. (laughs) 
over years of battling all sorts of things. But really, it came about from me finding my own footprints up in the Arctic. And I was um, doing a, a, just a, a regional outdoor show I was producing. Yeah. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And uh, we were up there just filming. Um, uh, God, I'm trying to think. Uh, the name of the lake was uh, Knowlton Lake. And I had seen a giant lake trout. And... It just got me really interested in mysteries about wildlife, and um, this lake trout was six feet long. Six feet? A yes. trout? Yeah, and crystal clear water. We All three of us in the boat saw it because it was chasing my 30-pound lake trout that I was reeling in, which is a trophy lake trout. And this thing came out like a sea serpent out from under a rock and came up to, to attack my... Uh, my uh, lake trout I was reeling in, and I thought it was a man, you know, swimming in the water. Um, it's this huge man. So anyhow, um, to make a long story short, I was on a trip up into the Arctic at Selwyn Lake to try to get film of one of these giant lake trout because I had met a biologist in Minneapolis that not only believed me, but he had had a sighting. And so we concocted, you know, this trip to go up with these, uh, you know, big lures and, you know, all this stuff to go up there. And so we were trying to get footage of a giant lake trout. And um, we had to take a a pee break because it was kind of rough that day. Get up on shore. And here's some footprints coming out of the water that were detailed, huge footprints, you know, like a, a 16 inch coming out of the water up in the pea gravel, but they were so deep. Obviously, they were extraordinarily large, but they were deep. And so we followed them. You know, we did our business and then followed these tracks. And here's what got me. There was a footprint in front of a tree trunk, Gary, seven-foot-tall, stunted spruce tree. And then there was a footprint right beyond, right behind the tree trunk, which meant to me it stepped over the tree. Wow. And that's when my, you know, my Adam's apple dropped into my stomach. I went back and looked at the tracks behind us. Everybody did. I was with, you know, a number of people. And I got my video camera fired up and I started filming. I said, Rick, a big 300-pound guy was with us. I said, jump off this rock and see if you can even dent this soil. And it was raining like a light drizzle. And um, these tracks look really fresh. So he jumps off. He didn't even dent the soil. And so um, we went up, you know, we went beyond that tree with that one footprint, followed, you know, the rest of the footprints, and they're spaced really far apart. <clears throat> and then they go off. We, we get past this little section of stunted spruce trees, and the footprints go off into the horizon. And at that point, I just wanted answers. And so I came back to the States um, and met Matt Moneymaker, 
from the BFRO, who was a you know one of the people in Finding Bigfoot, and uh, Matt kind of educated me, and we started pitching Legend Meets Science, Sasquatch Legend Meets Science. Nobody wanted it. It's like science. How can there be science on a hoax? You know, and we're like, uh, we got all sorts of things to cover, dermal ridges. You know, this, stride, intermembral indexes, you know, just on and on and on. And I gave my ideas. And finally we sold it, or uh, my agent did. And he sold it to Discovery Channel, did that. Then I went on to do um, uh, the Mysterious Encounters series, which was the first Bigfoot, dedicated Bigfoot series, very similar to Finding Bigfoot with Autumn Williams uh, Matt Moneymaker was in that show. Um, Bobo was in that show. So it was kind of almost a prequel to Finding Bigfoot. We had a ton of technology, drones, this, but it only ran one year on a small network. And then um, after that um, was over, I started um, pitching uh, a show called Giganto, the Real King Kong. But before that, I was pitching just Giganto. Nobody wanted it. Nobody wanted it. It was turned down by every network. Finally, one day, I heard that Peter Jackson was doing a new King Kong movie. And I went, King Kong, King Kong, the real King Kong. Giganto, the real King Kong. (laughs) And so I called my agent up and I gave him that line. And he's like, oh, yeah. So he calls up, I don't know, I think it was NBC actually for broadcast and they loved it because they owned a part of this movie they had rights in that movie so it was sold and got it went all over europe everybody all over the u.s everybody you know had their stamp of approval and apparently the president vetoed it so the guy goes the president goes uh just take it to history channel because apparently nbc owns some history channel so i you know my agent did and they, they, they took it, they wanted it, produced the show, had a lot of science in that show. It did so well, it set new records on the History Channel. So then they called like the next morning after they got the ratings and they go, can you do more of these? <laughs> and it took me like two seconds, Gary, to go, yeah, yeah, hell yeah. And so that was it. And that's how Monster Quest was born. What was the most exciting thing doing monster quest that you encountered well it was just you know traveling knowing i could do different forensic every forensic test was exciting that we did every time i had to come up with new you know science or new ways to try to find evidence like there were you know reports of uh uh, big sharks in the saint lawrence river in canada you know and of course it's yeah poo-pooed science everybody poo-pooed it so I'm like, okay, I want to do a show on sharks and rivers. So I would have to come up with, you know, the nice technology to try to solve the mystery. And so every episode was exciting. Um, I don't remember any of them that were any better than any other one. But then, so I'd find the guy with the latest and greatest ROV. Oh, they have sonar. Okay, we can do sonar. And we can have cameras. And we can get this dive team. And we do it. Well, we got the first footage of a 12-foot shark swimming under a guy's walleye dock wow. on St. Lawrence River. Yeah. So, um, but that's what I enjoy doing. Um, just trying to come up with things, some things I would make in my own shop, 
you know, or develop certain lenses and things. Some things I would hire teams of people to work on with. And so, God, it was just, it really was exciting. Um, and if you look back at the Monster Quest episodes, most have a ton of technology, you know, and those things ne- weren't necessarily um, uh, invented or, or developed by the people, you know, in the show, not necessarily. But for a story, we had to, you know, do that. So I did some of that. Um, uh, I don't know, it was the traveling, it was just everything. Wow. Now, some of these things, like on Bigfoot and stuff like that, when you're out there looking for Bigfoot, did anybody get scared? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had some pretty interesting things. Um, a couple episodes come to mind, and that's the uh, Snellgrove Lake um, cabin attack that we did a show on based on a real-life situation that I got myself into without cameras up at up at this place. I used to go to this lake and I had been going like 20 years way up in Ontario on Snow Grove Lake. You know, they drop you in on a float plane and you you're pretty much all alone, you know. Never you never run into anybody up there. And um I've been going up there forever and one time we brought our daughters up. And um for the first time ever, we were pulling out of a, a little river with our, we'd all brought our daughters up because we would always bring our, our sons. Finally, we thought, hey, you know, we should bring our daughters up. They'd probably enjoy this kind of deal too. It would be good for them. Um, and we heard a wood knock right next to the boat, you know. And so I thought, oh, my God, that was an alert because we were about to enter the main lake. And I was into Bigfoot big time. I was, you know, even producing Monster Quest. But it never occurred to me in this vast wilderness there'd be any Bigfoots within earshot of that cabin because I always think of Bigfoot using edges. There's no edges. If you fly into the middle of a giant forest for two hours, get dropped off, you're not by an edge. (laughs) You know what I mean? You're just you're in the middle of nowhere. And so we hear this knock. I said to everybody, God, let's try a wood knock. I'd never tried it. So we wait till like two in the morning. Vladimir takes a big, you know, perfect log and hits this perfect tree. It echoes across the lake. We got an answer within maybe, you know, ten seconds. Right next to us, Gary. Ooh. And boy, you should have seen the people at the fire. So it was me, Joe and Vlad and you know, the, the Maria was there. She was up. Um, and they all just kind of turned white. So did I, because I was like, uh, that's a little too close for comfort. And then I said to Maria, because she was a teenage girl, I said, take this little rock and just lob it under arm right where that sound came from, right by that little set stand of trees. So she lobbed a little rock into that stand of trees and I'll be damned, here come another little rock and landed right at our feet. And so we threw another one. She threw another one. Just un- not, unaggressive, underhand, just as kind of a game. And it threw another rock back. And we did that for quite a while. So we were interacting with a, it must have been a creature. I mean, yeah, it could have been a guy, I guess, in the trees. But I kind of doubt it, you know, two in the morning in the middle of nowhere. Um, and then that night, 
we finally, you know, we did another wood knock. It never answered, never growled, never did anything. So very stealthy, but it certainly interacted with us. Everybody went to bed. I sat at the table by candlelight reading a Field and Stream magazine because I was wired. <laughs> I would I, be. I, no way I was going to bed. And so finally, though, I started getting tired. I thought, oh, I should just go brush my teeth. It's like four in the morning. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You know, 4.30 in the morning and I go, I go up to the window and there's a solar powered light and it faces the back of the cabin into the forest. And I flick the switch on and that started a commotion like I've, you know, I can't even describe it because it was like unleashed a bunch of lions behind the cabin. The cabin started immediately getting attacked. Um, rocks, sticks, um, screams from multiple creatures. Um, it started getting lifted, The you know, because the cabin's up on blocks. It actually started getting lifted. I hear running on the roof. Oh, <laughs> You know, it's and, and I look up and there's an open skylight, big skylight that's wide open on the roof, and I and I go, oh my god, there's a pole somewhere to shut that. I panic, I grab the pole, I start you know twisting that thing as quick as I can. The cabin's still getting plummeted with rocks and screaming, and everybody I'm with is sleeping, and I'm like, that's impossible. So I, I get the, the skylight closed. I run in, and I'm, I am not exaggerating. I was hitting Vladimir as hard as I could hit him on the back and the shoulders. He did not wake up. Then I, I gave up on him, and I ran into Joe's bedroom, and I started smacking Joe, you know, and shaking him and get up, never even moved. So I ran back to the to the, the uh, kitchen. I'm waiting for one of these things. Now I'm getting in defense mode because I'm going to be alone, waiting for this thing, one of them to come barging through the door, thin little, you know, just a thin hollow door, no lock, not even thermal pane window, just plate glass window. <laughs> and, I'm th- and I'm like, oh, my God. And I got my daughter here. And I'm in defense mode. And it just it shut off as quick as it started. I would be terrified. You know, I would wet myself. That's how terrified I would be to have something, you know, happen like that. I mean, when the guys woke up, what did you tell them? Okay, so morning, you know, I stayed up the rest of the night. Morning comes. I don't blame you. And we're supposed to get picked up the next day. I mean, that that morning, we're going to leave about noon. The plane's going to come get us. Um, 
And, you know, they all believed me because of what they experienced out at the fire. So they definitely believed me, but they were like, well, God, we were just exhausted. Was it the fresh air? Was it the fact that we normally get up? You know, we go to bed early, we get up early. And I said, I don't know. It was weird, guys. I was literally pounding on you guys, slugging you because my life depended on it. I mean, I was really in a panic mode. And so the next morning or the next afternoon, the float plane pilot lands, and I tell him the story. And he's like, yeah, he seemed to just like totally believe me. And I'm like, well, that's weird. You know, <laughs> why Why would this outfitter believe me? He just seemed really calm about it. He goes, oh, no, I'd believe that more than it would have, than it was a person doing that or people. Oh, and wow. then I did get out of him. Then he did have a sighting by the plane, by from the air one time near the cabin, circled around, and then it was gone. Um, and then um, I, I said to him, I said, Chuck, what is that board doing that's up, leaning up the back, on the back door that all the spikes and the, the screws sticking out? And he goes, oh, I said, I said, I was really worried one of our kids would get into that, fall into it. He said, oh, that was our bear deterrent. <laughs> because we had the cabin broken and destroyed once. And um, it was a set of screws, and apparently bears and will feel, you know, that, and they'll just kind of split. But I got to say something. You know, it, it, I don't think it was bears running, because if they're trying to lift up the cabin and they're throwing rocks, I don't know any bears would be able to do that, getting on the roof and, you know, running back and forth, making the screams. I, I tell you, I... No, 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 but he had had the cabin destroyed the year before. They came, they came in the spring and the whole cabin was destroyed inside. Cabinets ripped off the walls, refrigerator flipped over, the pipes were even bent in the, in the, in the, in the restroom. Um, it had a, um, you know, it had a uh, solar powered pump, but they had plumbing in the bathroom and a, in an on demand hot shower that pumped water from the lake. Everything was bent. There was a 1,200-pound gas tank in the shed flipped over upside down. Um, the wood stove flipped upside down. But here's where it got weird. He said everything in the cabin was torn into little tiny pieces, broken and torn, like little, you know, quarter-inch-sized pieces, like something was in there for days and days just t destroying things into small pieces. And so... I said, well, there's no, there's no claw marks on the whole cabin. He said, I said, those are the original cabinets. He said, yeah, they just grabbed them and yanked them off the, you know, bears just grabbing them. I said, Chuck, if that was a bear that did that, bears can't tear playing cards up. He described it. 20 decks of playing cards that had been left behind were torn into these little, you know, quarter inch, half inch size pieces. I said, a bear isn't going to do that. And um, all of a sudden, it kind of hit him. He's like, God, yeah. Yeah, there weren't any scratches in the cabin. I said, a bear's going to claw the living crap out of the interior. And I had been up there going there 20 years. There was not one scratch in that cabin. He said, we, you know, we put everything back toward the, um, all the, even the shelves got yanked from the, the wall. And so he was convinced then at that point, maybe... That was a Bigfoot that got into that cabin. 
and just destroyed it, you know, like, but it didn't break any windows and it didn't, didn't chew anything. There was no chew marks anywhere. None. But, you know, to me, it seemed like maybe it, it, it was been watching whoever has been in that cabin doesn't like humans and went in there and destroyed everything, you know, it could. Sure. And, it, 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 you know, a lot of people, because I've been doing this now 40, going on 48 years, 49 years doing talk radio. And I've interviewed a lot of people. And, and a lot of these people think that all oh, Bigfoot or, you know, they're lovable creatures. They give off orbs, they telecommunicate, they do all this stuff. But, you know, I also have heard or have heard of the other side where they these things are aggressive. Like in my encounter I had, I, I, I tell you, I, I, I don't know what they are. I know that they're flesh and blood. I don't know if they're from our dimension or they, they come through a porthole or whatever they are. But I don't think, you know... I don't think they're as lovable as a lot of people think they are. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, you know, once again, we all came back home safe. So none of us got hurt. But definitely there was a lot of intimidation going on. You know, or if you could imagine a creature getting into a cabin, it's certainly going to be curious about some of the things. And instead of stealing them, it just destroyed everything. And it even took, like, there was a, a, a boombox in there, battery-powered boombox that was broken into little tiny pieces. But yet, if it was people in there doing that, they would have broke the windows out, right? There were no broken windows. The doors were shut. When they got there, both doors were shut. Um, people don't do that kind of stuff. People aren't going to flip a 1,200-pound gas tank. You'd need a forklift to do it. You know, because he brings them in. He brought this giant tank in, originally empty, you know, on the bottom of the plane. But then when it's full of gas, he said it, you know, it weighed almost uh, three quarters of a ton. Flipped it right over. Now, I don't think humans could do that. I do think a Bigfoot could because yeah. the, the, the muscles and all that stuff. I mean, well, can you imagine the strength to lift the cabin? The cabin was rocking, Gary. It was as if it was. It was there was something running on the roof while the cabin was rocking. <laughs> in my mind, I envisioned a juvenile had jumped up there from either fear because when I flicked that light on, man, my hair probably my white hair, and there I am right there from pitch dark in the cabin to all of a sudden, bam! You know, I'm lit up, and I would imagine every fisherman's long asleep by that witching hour. That was probably maybe the first guy to be up. You know, at 4.30 in the morning or 4 in the morning, flicking that light on. Because the other thing, too, that they might be hanging around the cabin is right at the end of your three or four-day stay, you have to throw all your perishables behind the cabin, back in the woods. So, And people bring way more food than they ever eat. So you're throwing out steaks and eggs and punks of carrots and apples and lettuce and you know what I mean, all that kind of stuff. So they probably know when there's people staying there at the last day, there's a smorgasbord of food that they can't get anywhere. Certainly not in the forests of Canada. That is so interesting. In all your encounters of Bigfoot, have you guys physically, anybody ran into one or uh, got close enough where you could see their eyes glowing? Um, the Probably the, the worst encounter that... And he, I was 
And we were at Skookum Meadows, if you know where that is, in the Gifford Pinshaw National Forest. And we were out doing our dumb thing with no flashlights, right? Nothing. We even made a point of not even bringing them. So we didn't, weren't tempted to use them. Just let our eyes adjust. And all of a sudden, we were standing. Um, we had walked maybe a mile or two. And all of a sudden, a rock just goes, bam. Right, I mean, a big, good-sized rock you know like a baseball size hits the tree right i don't know if it was my head or vladimir's head and the guy with us was one of the original camera guys from the marty stouffer series wild america mm-hmm. you remember that oh, years yes. ago, back in the like 80s but mario was one tough dude right he's a guy that would see a porcupine and just grab it you know with his bare hands um, he was one of those Wrangler guys, and he ran after this thing that threw the rock because we could hear it running. We could hear sticks breaking. He just tore after it in the dark, no flashlight, <clears throat> and he is just barreling after this creature, and you can hear the commotion. <laughs> just picture that, running through the forest without a flashlight, chasing a Bigfoot. That was Mario, and so... And he was gone for like 20 minutes. And all of a sudden, he finally he finally came back. And he's like, I damn near caught up with that thing. <laughs> and I'm like, what in the hell are you doing? And so that was just Mario. But that was, I remember that night. Um, there were just things like that that would happen. You know, nobody ever got hurt. Um, it, it seemed like they would always want to intimidate you, but never kill you, you know? Well, you're you're lucky because you're, I'm just wondering. You know, so many people go missing out in the woods. Yeah, and right. you think, yeah, yeah, a lot of them maybe they fell off a cliff, they had a heart attack, oh. or they're out hunting and another hunter thought they were deer and shot them. But then, you know, again, and if you're out in the woods and you break your leg or ankle, the odds are you surviving is not very good because how are you going to get back? Oh, but, but then they're going to find you though, Gary, in a normal situation. No. But then no, they are going to if you just perish from a broken arm or a leg, they're gonna you know the 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 um, search and rescue is gonna find you and they're gonna know what happened to you. But these missing people, they don't have any idea. Doesn't make any sense and still doesn't. Yeah, it's, it is a real mystery, and none of them are around to tell us, you know, what happened. We have a lot of people go missing in Minnesota. Um, you know, in the northern forests of Minnesota, and they're all just bizarre. You know, well, can we talk about that after the break? Now, this break is about four and a half minutes long. We'll be back with Doug. Again, you might want to check out on YouTube, or I don't know if History's shown any reruns of Monster Quest. Yes, but, yeah, you can go to History, uh, Gary. Yeah. And um, on YouTube, just type in Monster Quest. I think most of the episodes are on YouTube. Okay, great. Well, we'll be right back with Doug after this break, so stay tuned. You're listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio. What can suddenly burn a person to a pile of powder, yet allow nearby combustibles, even clothing, to escape damage? Spontaneous human combustion can, an enigma so bizarre and frightening. Spontaneous human combustion remains hotly denied by mainstream fire science and modern medicine. In his groundbreaking book, Ablaze, The Mysterious Fires of Spontaneous Human Combustion, 
Larry E. Arnold explores the high strangeness of this fascinating mystery and challenges with meticulous research the popular consensus that spontaneous human combustion is crack pottery and myth to be debunked. Read Ablaze the Mysterious Fires of Spontaneous Human Combustion by Larry E. Arnold. Available now on Amazon. Did you know Bigfoot, yeah, Bigfoot, is very much alive and well? That's what W.J. Sheehan reveals in his great nine-book series, Bigfoot, Terror in the Woods, Sightings and Encounters. His book covers hundreds of Bigfoot accounts from his global archives. The series is available on Amazon in paperback and e-books. Also, the audiobooks are available on Audible and Amazon. You know, Bigfoot is out there. Also, join W.J. Sheehan on his weekly Bigfoot, Terror in the Woods podcast, available on most apps. No place to go, no one to talk to, nothing to do, nothing to do, just an aimless use of time, no intentions, no inventions, no intersections of inner feelings, muted by myself, death as the walls. Nothing to say, nothing to say, nothing to fear, nothing to fear, nothing to hide, nothing to hide, nothing to show, show, just an aimless use of air, just an aimless use of air, just an aimless use of air, no intention, no invention, no intersection. arms, no calls from you, no text to, I waited all evening, and all night long to hear from you, only one word, only one word. Have Night Dreams Talk Radio. After Dark wants to give a big shout-out to all the truckers that listen to our show. Night Dreams Talk Radio brings you talk radio like you remember with your host, Gary Anderson. And that is me. Our guest tonight is Doug, and we're talking about all kinds of monsters. Dogman. What do you think? Do they exist? Is there something like a dog man? Well, after what I've seen, um, I don't doubt it. And I've been, you know, I've done a little research. I did one show on it um, for Monster Quest, maybe two. We did lie detector tests on the witnesses, and they passed, you know, and we had a really, we had a wicked lie detector test guy. And he was like, God, he was just shocked. He's like, they saw. Or they, you know, at least think they saw what they what they're telling us. And um, but the, here's here's the thing: like Bigfoot, 
like Mothman, like all these things, they're fueled on a regular basis. They're not going away. And the reason they're fueled is because people are really seeing them. You know, um, I don't get any reports of unicorns, and I doubt you do. No. Because people don't see them. You know, that's just not part of whatever's out there. And people do see dogmen. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But I'm a pretty humble guy when it comes to, you know, trying to debunk um, a mystery. I'll, I'll look and debunk a film if I think it's fake, and I'll, I'll work really hard to debunk it. And I'll work really hard to debunk a film I think is real. But I won't debunk a witness because if a witness comes to me and it's backed up by hundreds and hundreds and you know what I mean, they're probably seeing what they're telling you because what do they what do they have to gain? Already we only have probably one percent, one percent of people who see these things reporting them already. So we're already only getting a fraction. You know, if we could, like, make every person who saw a dogman in this country stand up and be counted, I think we'd all, like, uh, we'd be really freaked out. I think we would. Can you explain to the listeners out there, there might be some out there who don't know what a dogman is. What is a dogman? Well, people see on a regular basis an upright, canine-looking thing with a, you know, a dog-like snout, big ears that are up on top of the head. Very distinct, very pointed, almost quite large um, with a tough. And I've even talked to biologists that have seen these things. Um, And I've listened to other biologists tell their stories. Um, Their legs are very canine, but yet they're walking upright. Um, They have claws. They're they're skinnier. They're uh, lighter weight, but they're very muscular. You know, they have a lot of uh, muscles. And... um, they look menacing. They tend to want to scare people or intimidate people. But once again, we don't really have any solid stories of people being attacked. But man, you talk about you know some of the hair-raising stories you hear about people running into them in the broad daylight, even um, you know jogging through their normal park, you know that's a forested park, and um, there's cons- but. What I tend to go to is try to look for consistencies. And one consistency with dogman stories that nobody talks about is they're always near cornfields. I didn't know that. Yeah. Nobody does. Nobody talk. I've never heard anybody talk about that. They're they're in woods, but there's always a cornfield within twelve hundred yards, fifteen hundred yards, and that's so consistent that I wonder, what is the connection with corn? <laughs> well, maybe they have a, a still. I don't know. but uh, Yeah, I don't know. It's like I can't envision a dog man or a dog, something related to a dog wanting to eat corn. But for all we know, it's such a crazy world. Maybe there's a some kind of dimensional creature that just loves the corn. Or maybe that's where the portals form because of the cellular structure of the corn. Or because we've genetically modified it, or who knows? We don't know, and I'm sure that truth is stra- stranger than you know uh, fiction. Well, you know, another thing I want to talk about, like thunderbirds and huge things. You know, it, what's going on because our climate changes? You know, the birds. You know how they they their areas they they go to. Uh, it's, it's changing. They're going farther. You like sure. 
uh, you know, pelicans and stuff were going farther out, you know, hundreds of miles farther than they normally do. And, and again, people see one, and if they've never seen a pelican fly, they think, oh, my God, it's a prehistoric creature. But, mm-hmm. I mean, they, how about thunderbirds? Have you done any research and trying to find one? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, obviously, when it, like I produced a show on Thunderbirds, and I have to spend a lot of time talking to witnesses and seeking out theories and weathermen and this and, you know, everything, kind of covering the whole gamut. And then people will contact me who have had sightings, but I'm sorry, if you if you have a trained pilot and they have a bird next to them, they they know is bigger than their plane. That's not a pelican. It's not a harpy eagle. It's not. It's not a you know a Siberian crane or a, or a sandhill crane. It's got to be what they're seeing. And it, is it one of these dimensional things again? And then you have the famous Lonsdale case where you know the boy um, was picked up. The mother saw him get picked up. And, of course, there's the theories that it's an Andean condor that maybe flew up on some air currents from, you know, South America. But, yeah, I just I tend to just kind of listen to the witnesses and, and go, yeah, you probably saw exactly what you think you saw. You might have not got the size right, but I guarantee you probably, you probably got something right. Because how many, how many people can report Thunderbirds um, that aren't reporting them? I've met, oh, my God, just in asking people, I'll bet you I've met 20 witnesses that have seen a Thunderbird in just, you know, asking strangers. Have you, do you know anybody that saw any? And they're like, oh, yeah, okay, one day I was driving to work and, you know, I saw this thing swoop over the trees and it was like wider than the road and that's not a pelican. No. Could it be, that's why I'm thinking maybe there's a, opening up a portal where they're coming back from time or another dimension or something where they exist and they they come in and they're here for a short period of time before well whatever they go back to their dimension but again you know there's a a lot of people still go missing not just in the woods everywhere yeah it's it's weird i mean you know the stories that really creep me out is when husbands walking their wife to the restroom in the middle of the night at a campgrounds turns you know just for one second takes his eye off her gone um and those are the kinds of things that really creep me out and the fact that there's there's that you know we talked about the corn and the consistency with dogman sightings well there's a a lot of consistencies with missing people you know the storms usually there's a huge rainstorm that happens like the next day that stops them from searching. The dogs won't follow. They often find, if they do find, recover a body, it's in a boulder field. What the heck is that about? You know, nobody's nobody's looking for their way home trying to climb through a boulder field. No. They have kids that go missing that, um, you know, there's no way they could have covered that distance. Or, or somebody who immediately, day one, the day, the day they go missing, they leave their lighter, their cell phone, they're all their, you know, their coat, but yet it's not even that cold out. It's only maybe it's 45 degrees. So, you know, it's not a survival situation. It's as if they're scared out of their mind, which is certainly one of my theories that people 
are being confronted with something that is so scary, whether it be a dogman, a Bigfoot, an alien in the woods um, from a portal, God knows what, and it freaks them out and they do try to escape. And they just, they, they feel a need to just like get rid of everything that's weighing them down. Um, well, you know it, what happens, you know, I'll, 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 again, my regular listeners not probably, oh, he's saying this story again. But, you know, early 2000s, me and my friend, because, you know, besides being in radio all my life, you know, I love photography. And we go out in, you know, different areas on road trips and take, you know, ghost town pictures, lighthouses. We got this thing. Let's go up the Canadian Rockies and do some old cemeteries, old ghost towns, silver mines. And we found, you know, information about this Japanese internment camp. They were holding prisoners during World War II up in the Canadian Rockies. So we naturally had to go there. And we went through the woods. We found what was left of the old cemetery, which they naturally, after the war, they took the bodies out and sent them back to Japan. So there was, you know, not much there in the cemetery. But we we found what was left of the internment camp, which was virtually nothing, but it was built on a base of a side of a mountain. And there was a creek there, and there was some mining equipment at the base of this mountain. And my friend, who's a medical doctor, he, he goes, well, hey, Gary, you got the telephoto lens. I got a wide angle. Get that picture of that huge bear on the other side of the uh, creek. So I, I swung my camera around, Doug, and I looked in it. And uh, as it was focusing, I, I, I noticed it wasn't a bear. And about the same time that I noticed it wasn't a bear, it discovered me. And it screamed the loudest scream I've ever heard. Wow. And, uh, you know, I had my bag of lenses. They're still there, or unless somebody's found them. I, it, it, it decided to come after us. And all I know is, what I remember is it, it charged after us, and it ran between two legs and four legs. That's what I saw at that moment. And we took off running, and we had to run about two miles through the woods to get back to this uh, logging road or whatever it was where the car was at. And I get to the car, and Doug, right next to about 25, 30 feet from the car, there's the tree line right there. And here's this horrible-looking creature. Now, this was the early part of June, the first week of June. There was still a lot of snow up there. It was cold. And I remember the smell. It was so strong, I couldn't even breathe through my nose. I, it, I tried breathing through my mouth, and it, my lungs were hurting. And, I, I, and this thing is like bending a tree over, like about a four or five-inch tree. Like, it was a, like a twig. And it's yelling at us. And, you know, I got to the car first, so I start the car. I forgot about my friend. I'm panicking. And I'm shoving the car in reverse, trying to get out of there. And my friend is grabbing on the car door, and I'm dragging him. And I'm going, oh, my God, I'm going to run over my friend. So I stopped. And he gets in, and pow, the passenger side of the, the, the fender and part of the door was mangled. Wow. It threw a huge boulder, a rock. It couldn't have been a small one to do that much damage. And I, I tell you, the, 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 it was the. It took miles driving with the windows down to get the smell out of the car. It was that pungent. 
It was, I would imagine it was kind of a rotten, fleshy... It, it smelled ear. like urine. It smelled like manure. It smelled like somebody dumped the hottest pepper in the world in the mix. That's interesting. Yeah. And I tell you, it scared me. And, you know, I was in the military and in combat situations. I never wet myself. But I'll tell you this, when it when it came charging after us, I'll tell you what, I was like a first grade again or kindergartner. I wet myself. That's how scared I was. Yeah. So you definitely have the flight to happen. But your brain doesn't, you know, you go in shock when it's something yeah. like that. Yeah. You, you don't think. And I don't even think, I'm not even so sure that it's, <clears throat> that you felt you were going to die. I think it's more of this strangeness. That your your brain can't handle it. It can't. It just, it just says get out of here. Or you might have been blasted with, God knows whether it's infrasound or some you know telepathic message to get out of there. You know we we don't know. I I tell you you know and that I never believed in any of these creatures before. You know I remember watching a movie one time. It was made in supposedly in Washington State with the guy who played uh, Cheyenne. I can't think of his name, the actor. You know, and he it was the killer Bigfoot, and I, I did nothing like that could exist. And I remember laughing during the movie. I tell you what, I have never gone back in the woods. I grew up in a family that we went camping out in the woods, not on the campground. My father was an avid outdoorsman. And uh, my whole family was. And I tell you, after that, I had no urge to go camping, go out in the woods ever again. Yeah, that's, um, it just, once again, your story just fits in with everything else. And how many people that have been alone and had that kind of an experience, and they just think, nobody's going to believe me. I'm not telling anybody. They'll tell their wife or their husband, and they'll just say, you got to promise not to tell anybody. And that's where the story dies. Um, and so you're really, I mean, it takes a lot of courage to to talk about that story in such detail. But um, it's stories like that that let us know that, uh, man, these things are real as real gets. Because I'm sure you weren't afraid of, you know, some misidentified bear. Uh, well, it, it put it this way. It was no bear. No. And, you know, another thing, I got educated because we drove about 15 miles and we came up to like a little country road, you know, store. And we went in there and the guy was looking at us and he knew we were shook up. And he says, well, what's, what's going on? And we, you know, we didn't want to say we ran into a Bigfoot first. We just said we saw something that's, you know, and then we said it was a Bigfoot. And then the guy goes, you know, there's Bigfoot sighted around here. But he goes, do you have any weapons? And I go, no, we're from the States. We can't bring any guns. And he goes, do you have any bear spray with you? Did you? I go, bear spray, what's that? And then he said a week before that, a guy and his wife was out hiking just a few miles from where we were at. And I guess she sprained her ankle. He went to get help. By the time he came back with the help, a bear was eating his wife. Horrible, absolutely horrible. Now, I've that, heard I've heard stories where people will camp in remote areas, and then um, they have some kind of an encounter, and they're so afraid and paralyzed that they need to be rescued. And you know they'll get a hold of the sheriff somehow. The sheriff will always turn it over 
apparently to like a search and rescue team to go extract these, you know, people. Um, we're going to go, we're going to go to a lake this, um, summer where there's been eight rescues of people who were just afraid that had to be taken out by helicopter, um, that had run-ins with a Bigfoot. And, um, it's not too far from a lake that my, my son, Blaine, he seeks out places to go do Bigfoot research where people have gone missing. And he'll do a ton of research, and he found this one spot near this one spot we're going to go to this summer um, where some guy, all they found was his wallet. He went up there. He was alone. He camped alone in the Boundary Waters Canoe area and uh, in Minnesota. And all they found was his wallet. He never recovered the body, nothing. So Blaine, of course, goes to that lake with his girlfriend, and they do research. They set up, you know, microphones outside the tent. Sure enough, day one, day two, they have big boulders thrown at the tent. You can hear them rolling up to the tent, wood knocks, rocks ricocheting. And so, you know, the theory of maybe it's Bigfoots that are taking people, it's possible. Because that, you know, that's a pretty kind of an interesting confirmation where you have somebody go missing from the small lake. My son goes there to, to do research and records all of this very aggressive behavior on tape. Well, I, I do think that, you know, again, you know, my daughter married into a American Native tribe, and I got to know the medicine woman and, you know, the Muckleshoot tribe, and she said back, you know, before the turn of the century that, you know, Bigfoot, really, they had encounters with it. They would come running through the village and, and grab the women and grab babies, or the, the, the women would be down there doing their, you know, laundry down at the river. And they would have their babies there, and the Bigfoot would run in and, and grab the you know the babies or some of the women, yeah. and then they would find the remains, you know later on. I, I think you know here's the problem, Doug. Some people think that you know they're lovable creatures, and maybe if they're used to humans in an area where a lot of humans are and the human contact in that way, they're not going to be killer Bigfoot. But I think, like, in the case, like, you're out in the middle of nowhere, like Canadian Rockies or where your son was, where there's not many humans, they might look at you as, you know, encroaching into their territory, and they're going to take care of you. Yep. Especially if you're alone. Oh, yeah. You know, or if your guard is down. Um, Yeah, it's a mystery. You know, and I know David um, Pilates really well, and David's... David's an amazing um, investigator, and, you know, I can talk to David every day for hours just kicking around this mystery because it really is a mystery. And there's people that go, well, it's it's not a mystery. Well, they're wrong. It is a mystery. And um, it's it's really amazing that um, he's managed to document so many of these cases that, once again, were just totally ignored you know, collectively by all these different departments, you know, the government, um, different game wardens, park, you know, park, uh, uh, park rangers. Mm-hmm. And they've just, you know, it's all isolated. All this information is all isolated. So it's great that somebody's collecting that. But, um, yeah, it's kind of freaky. But generally, I still think generally you're safe if you're with other people, you know, in these situations. 
I think so. But if you're out there by yourself, like I said, there's hunters that disappear. I was reading. They're armed. Yeah, keep in mind, Gary, they're armed, you know. Yeah, I was reading an article here back about a year ago about this one hunter. They found part of his remains, his skull, and, you know, his hat and some clothing. But they found his rifle, and his rifle was wrapped around a tree. And I I don't think a bear could do that. I literally just talked to um, um, Carlos uh, Yemes, who is working in the area where this the, the the landowner had that happen to his rifle. You know, it was literally I think he left it out or something, but it was wrapped around a tree, bent. I mean, that takes some serious power. Oh yeah. And I don't, yeah, and strength and to be oh. able to do that, just to bend a barrel of a gun. I don't know how many humans can do that. That it's, is, you know, what's funny was, because he had mentioned to me that he, he was working this property. He was finding these large white feces, right? Poop. And, but they were huge, but they were white. And he called me and he's, I mean, he's a, he's an anthropologist, but he's, he was really confused on the white poop. And I, just by chance years ago, I had done a study on animals that will gorge on fish that'll turn their poop white. Like if they eat tons of sunfish, panfish, the animal, their poop will get white. And so he asked me that, and I said to him, I said, is there a pond near that property with crappies and sunfish in it? And he goes, oh, my God, there is. It's stock. He's got it stock full of sunnies and crappies. I said, that's probably why this thing is hanging out near that property. And so it was just, it's so cool when, you know, when, when uh, a round peg will just drop right into a round hole, you know, that was a, that was just one of those things that um, happens if you talk to enough people and you get familiar with enough of these, you know, situations. Oh, yeah. You know, our time is virtually up. I need, if you'd like to come back on, we'd like to get you back on and have part two of this because there's there's more things out there I'd like to talk about, you know. But now I'm going to, you know, we got some goldfish that we had now for three years. And when we got them, they were like two inches. Now they're like eight inches big. They're in a huge aquarium. And I just keep thinking about that trout 10 feet long. No, six feet. Six Six feet feet long. Six feet. Could have been seven feet, Gary. Yeah, but could you imagine? I wouldn't want to go swimming in that that lake. <laughs> I'll tell you that. I like yeah, my toes. What, quickly, what happens? A fish will get out of its niche. It'll never breed. It'll probably be a female, never breed. And it just becomes a cannibal. It just keeps growing because it's out of its niche. And, um, yeah, we'll have to talk about that stuff again in the, in the uh, near future. If you want to do part two, I'd love to. Oh, yeah, I would. And, you know, I was going to say this before we get more information about what you want to share here. I was reading an article here just recently. You know, people think catfish, they can get huge. And, you know, I was talking to a guy and he goes, well, a catfish would never eat humans. Well, they found a catfish that when they opened it up, they found human bones in it. So, I mean, yeah, you think about some of these. Now, maybe the person already drowned. But it just tells you that these things do devour humans in one form or another. Yeah, and catfish are one of those fish that will never stop growing. No, that's scary. Yeah, well, we can talk about that. Yeah, yeah it, well, what would you like to share here? we got like three minutes, whatever you want to share. 
Well, I don't know. Um, you know, we have a podcast that we do every Wednesday uh, called Untold Radio AM. So every Wednesday at 7, we go live, 7, seven Central, we go live on YouTube on Wednesdays. Um, we have a lot of interesting guests and kind of a variety similar to similar to what you do. I'm interested in everything. Um, and then we, we do publish books at Hangar One Publishing. And uh, we're always looking for new talented authors that have an amazing paranormal story to tell. Interesting. And you have a whole bunch of Harley motorcycles. I got a whole bunch of motorcycles, yeah. I, I, I love anything with two wheels and a motor. How long have you been riding? Since I was probably uh, 11, 11 years old. Yeah, I started at 18 and I'm 70. And I tell you, uh, up to about two years ago, I put more miles per year on a motorcycle than I did a car. That's, yeah, no, it's awesome. Yeah, they're the ultimate, anything with two wheels is the ultimate freedom because they'll go anywhere. Well, Doug, I really enjoyed having you on. I'll have uh, my producer contact you. We'll get you back on for part two. How's that? Love to. Okay, my friend, you take care. Thanks, Gary. Uh Uh-huh. You have a good evening. Well, make sure you share us on whatever app you're on, Apple, TuneIn, iHeart, Spreaker, and all that. If you're on YouTube, make sure you give us a thumbs up, because that's very important. And uh, tell your friends about our show. We got some great guests coming up again. And next, uh, James, when do we have that uh, lawyer back on who went to Mars? Well, he will actually be on on the 15th, which is next Tuesday. And that is going to be interesting because we're going to talk really in depth what it was like on Mars. And, you know, some of the people like a president. Well, he wasn't president at that point, but he turned in to be a president. And it's going to be really interesting on on Tuesday. We got some great guests this week all lined up. Make sure you give us a thumbs up. That is very important here. And uh, anything you want to say here, James, before we tell everybody goodnight? Uh, yeah, just if you got a chance to store stock up on water, hey, you can't can't hurt, right? Uh huh. And a big shout out to Rory, Nancy, Barb, Vincent, uh, and well, uh, everybody else out there. It's so many tonight on on chat. I just want to say thank you for coming on chat again. Make sure if you go out in the woods in the summertime, have bear spray. I mean, you know, and uh, be prepared. And also make sure you have some way if something happens where people know where you're at. Well, till tomorrow, everybody, I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Everybody have a good one. We'll catch you on the other side of the coin tomorrow.